Eventually, it'll get interesting. It, it, not it, in this episode, once though. It's I want to be clear to you. Don't listen to the rest of this episode. <laughs> back to the Mo Video Games Top 50 Podcast. Today we've got a couple great showdowns for you. We've got two games, each developed by small teams of two people separated by almost 30 years of time. One, an absolute legend. The other, time will only tell. The second showdown involves two games that take a very unique spin on the horror genre. And the results just may surprise you. And spoiler alert, for Super Mario Brothers. And also Alan Wake and Doom 3. But mostly Super Mario Brothers. Alright, so. <laughs> transition. Um, today, I will be discussing Overcooked and Super Mario Bros. for the NES, as in Nintendo Entertainment System. As in, Nintendo's first console. As in. Right? As far as I know, yeah. Pretty, pretty, pretty classic. Alright, so, uh, Overcooked. <laughs> so it was developed by Ghost Town Games, and it was actually the first game created by them. It's uh, just two people make up this game development studio. Um, and they released the game Overcooked, which is classified as a cooking simulator. Um, which, if you've played the game, it's you know it's 100% accurate. <laughs> it's pretty generous. Uh, yeah, very very generous. Um, it was released back for Xbox One, PS4, Windows in August of 2016. Um, and then for the Switch in July of 2017. So overall, these two people started this development company, um, and they decided that they, they enjoyed playing co-op games, but a lot of games added co-op and multiplayer as kind of an afterthought or an add-in, and they wanted to develop it from the ground up, kind of like a way out. <laughs> but that's for another time, um, okay. if ever. <laughs> but, I will talk about a way out. I, well, I don't think it's on either of our top 50s, so it's probably, it might be a while, but maybe we can do a, a special. Um, but yeah, so, so they built it from the ground up as a co-op experience. Um, and the interesting thing, so so the, the idea for Overcooked came from Phil Duncan, one of the co-founders, the developers of the game, had experience working in kitchens before, and he liked how that kind of lent itself to a team experience, because um, there's a lot of communication that has to happen especially during business um, or like the busy like food hours. Uh, rush hour. Ru- rush hour, exactly. Um, and so, so that's where the idea for a cooking game um, came to be. And But the challenge was the game has the capability to have four people playing at the same time, but there's only two people developing the game. So playtesting the game is difficult to test those outer bound conditions um, so what they would do is as the game was getting further along in development, they would take it to a bunch of conventions um, and expos and stuff and have people play test it right there in front as like demoing. And then they would fix bugs on the fly <laughs> as people were playing. It was kind of their way of getting around and doing some of those edge cases, which is kind of cool. And also a, a fun way to kind of get it out there since it's a more indie, very small studio um, developer. Um, you just want to get it in front of as many people yeah. as possible. So it was kind of a win-win for them. Um, the The actual game and gameplay. So you are a cook, um, as are like anyone playing the game plays as a cook. And for the actual story, you start off and you're on top of this tall skyscraper, um, and there's King Onion who is trying to save the world from the ever peckish which is essentially this giant meatball creature. Um, and so the first level, which serves as a tutorial, a giant meatball guy comes up and he's like, feed me. And so you just keep feeding him salads. There is a salad with just lettuce and there's a salad with lettuce and tomato. And you just have to keep feeding him. And there's there's no particular score you're supposed to get in this tutorial level, just helping you figure out the controls and figure out how to get ingredients. Um, and you ultimately don't satisfy him. 
And so King Onion, before everything goes to absolute poo-poo, um, throws you all in a time portal to go back in time to 1993 and learn how to become a better cook. Of course. And so then you're playing through the rest of the game through progressively more difficult and complex food challenges, um, honing your skills to ultimately come back and properly feed the Everpackish and prevent the inevitable doom of the world. Doom. Eternal. Eternal. <laughs> um, and, and so that, that, that's the general story behind it, which is just kind of a thinly veiled way, veiled way kind of like Mario, which I'll also be talking about, of kind of pushing you forward. But Ooh. hey, don't worry. I'm going to be putting a lot of praise on Mario in Mario's just a second. story is not thinly veiled. Saving the cutie, which is Mario. <laughs> that's true. So, um, the, but it's all mostly around the core of its gameplay. And so what, what happens is you're, you're serving food to hungry people and these orders will come across the top and it starts to ramp up in variety. First, you'll start off making some different soups. So there's like a mushroom, tomato and onion soups. And so you'll see a tomato soup. So you have to get out like three tomatoes and then you can chop them up and then you throw them in this pot um, similarly, they'll start making burgers, so then you have to like fry the meat, and then you have to chop the lettuce and tomatoes and assemble it. You have to assemble it correctly. Sometimes there's just lettuce or a tomato, and sometimes there's cheese, um, and, and send them out. There's kind of times based on it. So if you send them out quick enough before they expire, you'll get more money and maybe even a tip if you get it out really quickly. And if you take too long, the order will expire. Or if you get the meal wrong, you won't get any points for it. Um, there's additional hazards that go on, but you can, if you leave something on a burner for too long, it'll burst into flames and start burning the entire kitchen to the ground and you have to run and grab a fire extinguisher, which is always fun. Um, the actual environment around you, at some point you're on the backs of moving trucks that, so parts of the kitchen are moving back and forth, so you can't access everything at the same time, so you have to do some planning and strategizing and then you actually have to jump between trucks which you can fall off of and you respawn in like five seconds but it is comical and a lot of fun um but probably the most important game mechanic is the dash because it allows you to smash into other players and send them flying across the map um, it's it's intended to be a speed boost um, but I think I'm assuming they got enough feedback on how fun it was to smash into other players that it's incredible, especially when like time is running out at the end and you've already achieved your goal. You just start smashing into people just to just to let the time. Go. At least that's how I play it. A, a normal human being. Um, but but certainly a, a lot of fun. Um, overall reception was very good. So Metacritic anywhere from 77 to 81 um, based on the platform. That was being reviewed, uh, but it, it won a few awards, like the British Games Award of back in 2016, the same one where we were talking about um, Firewatch and going up against like Uncharted 4, um, to give you an idea of some other games that came out around that time. It did win the best family game and best British game. So these, these developers are from Cambridge, I believe. Um, and then it also won the TIGA Games Industry Awards best debut game. And it was nominated for a bunch of other awards, like best development and others <laughs> but um yeah pr pretty well received and i think for a lot of people it's one of those great couch co-op um where you just kind of sit down with a bunch of friends and you, you just have some fun it's just it's cartoony it's funny that the concept is relatively simple but execution um and communication are kind of the the key things um to get better but yeah that's that's overcooked what, what are you what are your thoughts Oliver? overcooked it's fun yeah <laughs> it's a good game yeah i think it's it's pretty easy to pick up which is nice i mean watching people that don't game try to use a controller is generally pretty laughable for a pretty long time <laughs> but like i mean the actual you know i don't know like the cognitive requirements of playing the game right are, are pretty simple and they i think they do a pretty good job of ramping it up it definitely picks up pace Pretty quickly, I feel like the farther it was starting to get exponentially more difficult. Like the the car example that you mentioned, like the trucks will be touching, you know, the bottom side of one truck and the top side of one truck will be cut off, at least in how you're perceiving it on the screen. And they'll be touching temporarily. So it gives you a chance to go over. 
And so they'll be like locked together for maybe 10, 15 seconds, and then they'll be apart for the rest. And you can't jump out. You have to wait until it's close enough that you can either dash to close the gap or wait until they're fully touching. And so, I mean, you'll be running and you'll have the last onion for your onion soup and you'll see that the trucks are starting to split apart. And you're like, oh, you got to go because if you don't get the onion over, then you're not going to be able to do anything for another 15 seconds. But if you mess up, you also die and, you know, have now a gotten laughed at by all your friends if this is a normal environment um and you know it's it's an order that probably is going to time out or at least the your, your tip's going to be substantially decreased so yeah they, they they ramp up complexity i think pretty frequently the other frequent one that they do is you'll be on like a boat and the actual workspaces that you're on will shift back and forth it's like the boat will randomly rock everything to the left side or the right side of the map which in earlier stages will be a symmetric configuration normally or something pretty close. So it's like you kind of just have to move along with it, but later they'll change it. So it's asymmetric configuration. So you have to like know a, how you're going to get around or be in the right place at the right time to be able to get over to the other side. And then also know like who needs to stay over on what side, because there's only certain resources on some side and certain resources on others. So it definitely becomes as, I mean, we normally play it with his fiance, so as three people who did industrial engineering, I suppose it is a great optimization game to be <laughs> to be playing between the three of us. Um, but yeah, definitely fun fun to play. Pretty easy if you if you are decent with controllers at all. Like I, I think it's a good game to pick up. Definitely cooking simulator. I mean, you were mentioning cooking the soup. I think an important thing, at least if I hadn't played it, when you cook onion soup, you literally chop three onions and throw the three onions into the the pan on the burner bam onion soup is being cooked like that is when when we say simulator i mean they are simulating one step of the many step process that it takes to cook anything I mean, not that i blame them like i, I mean i've never made onion soup but i would I imagine would that that's onions. probably yeah it's a big ingredient for sure onions in a pot is not too far from reality i mean we watched that markiplier video and uh, that guy cooking french onion and oh, he, yeah. did, he, he did throw way more than three onions in the soup so yeah it, it's good I, I think it is more fun the more people that you have playing it definitely like i mean one player would be miserable to borderline impossible so def- definitely more rewarding with more people but yeah no it definitely i think it, it's it's good game that's challenging enough to keep you coming back it's not so easy that you can just optimize it out you know and get done with it pretty quickly the to comment on the single player they did build in the option to play single player where you have two options first option being you switch back and forth between two cooks Um, and the second option being you control both cooks with the same controller which we tried before yes because yeah since we only have three people there were some that we were like we really just need another hand on deck so yeah, I, I I have tried doing the two people and controlling with like the right side of my stick with one and the left with the other, and I do not have a dual core processor up north. So <laughs> yeah. I mean, and concurrency is also not working super hot with my brain. So there's really no way for me to wire this any differently and make it run any better. It was difficult. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> for sure, and and the developers intentionally made it so that there were always more than four tasks that would need to be done so that um, you couldn't have one person just constantly running the same task. Um, And and some of those tasks include, as we've said, pulling ingredients, chopping ingredients, cooking ingredients. Um, You also get dishes back. So once you, you know, you'll serve it and as they're eating it, you know, certain time delay, you'll get dishes back and then you'll have to run and wash the dishes. There's only what, I mean, maybe no more than like five plates or something like that generally on a map so you run out of dishes very quickly but yeah so it's a lot of stuff to keep track of and try to figure out you know best time to perform what action um yeah yeah no so overall great great game it it is truly co-op it's not something if you're looking for a sit down single player experience i mean if you like dark souls I guess maybe the challenge of playing Overcooked single player might be appealing to you. But Oliver likes Dark Souls, and I don't think he likes single player Overcooked. So we're going to leave that as a loose recommendation. I'm not going to recommend that. I'm going to leave that as Maxwell's loose recommendation. <laughs> That's fair. Um, but yeah, definitely definitely a good game has been a good, for both of us, uh, I think a really solid uh, addition to the, the repertoire. And when I show it to other people, 
it is received similarly. Like I, I don't think I've shown it to someone and then been like, wow, this game's stupid. So, yeah. so yeah, definitely good game. Fun, fun to play. Yeah. And there, there is a sequel out now too. So if you haven't played either and you're looking to pick one up, um, the sequel adds more features and more maps and, and more crazy things. So if you're just looking to get one, getting the second one will give you a, a greater, larger expanded experience um, to pick up. So definitely worth checking out. Um, it's just most of our time has been with the first Overcooked. But yeah, pretty fun. Moving on to Super Mario Brothers for Nintendo Entertainment System. Well, it's Super Mario Bros. It, it sounded it sounded oh it did say brothers yeah. well it sounded uncannily like you said uh well no not the brothers it sounded like you were saying Super Mario Bros four <laughs> the fourth installment oh yeah, of yeah. The Super Mario I, th- I thought you were giving me shit for saying brothers no no no, no 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 which no, is no, also fair is, I mean it sounds weird but I'm cool with it not mad yeah is there even Super Mario Bros four I don't think there is I think there's only one through three yeah because then they just start then it went into like Super Mario like. They have like sixty four and like Super Mario World and Super Mario Galaxy, and they just they started making interesting names. But <laughs> they make they make they make good names. But that was kind of the end of the two D platformer, and then they have like the Super Mario Maker and stuff now, where you can kind of create those levels and play them. But yeah, those levels look absolutely insane. If you play Mario and you haven't seen any Maker runs at all, I would heavily consider looking at it because, I mean. Mario courses normally aren't the most absolutely insane, you know, don't require the, the greatest mechanics in the world to get through. Those maker courses, those are literally, there is only one solution of button clicks and thumb stick presses in a specific order that can happen, essentially, to navigate those courses. It takes something that should have many options to be able to run wherever you want and do whatever you want and makes it a, an incredibly linear experience <laughs> that requires flawless mechanics. Yes. Um, but yeah. Caveat aside, Super Mario Bros. So to to just I'm gonna lead off with a fun fact to give everyone a good idea of how fun it is, how fun it is, and how much people enjoy this game. Very recently, an unopened copy of Super Mario Bros. sold for around one hundred fourteen thousand dollars as of was it July of twenty twenty during a pandemic. So. You know, that's that means something. It's a classic. <laughs> it, it, it's a classic for sure. So I guess just getting that that's a that's a preface, but but getting a little further. Developed by Nintendo. Shocking. For the Nintendo Entertainment System. <laughs> for the Nintendo. Um, so in Japan and North America, it was it was released in fall of 1985. Um, the the Europe version came out one or two years. Um, following that kind of surprisingly um we had 1985 and as of right now there's about 48 million copies sold which makes it the sixth best selling game of all time um and kind of helped revive and revitalize gaming um following i think it was the stock market crash in the early 80s um some some bad thing that happened in the 80s um this helped gaming come back um so that's pretty cool. Something that, I, I mean, I know I'm kind of speaking to Oliver's love right here, but soundtrack, Koji Kondo, um, one, of, one of the earliest and most recognizable video game soundtracks that still to this day, I, I think you could go up to a lot of people and play it for them, and they would at least be able to tell you somewhat what it's related to, um, which is just... It is literally legendary. Like, it'll... Yeah, that there's like we play good games and it's it's I don't know it's it's nice to talk about like good games now or like good soundtracks now because since the, it's in the immediate it's very like oh wow you know like this game's great you know and you, just, you can still talk about it, like a year later but something that's going to persist through time for as long as I mean it's already persisted for how many years now like I mean the data is already speaking for itself like yeah Mario the whole character universe and soundtrack and everything. Yeah. Koji Kondo is just a beast with it. So, and speaking of beasts, um, it was designed by Takashi Tezuka and more importantly, I shouldn't say more importantly, but probably more well known Shigeru Miyamoto, which is probably 
the poster child of Nintendo. And to give everyone an idea of who Miyamoto is, he is the creator of Mario and Legend of Zelda. Um, he originally created the, the Donkey Kong arcade game, which is, I believe, Mario's first appearance as an unnamed character. Um, he was integral in the development of Pokemon and developed the Super Mario 64. The, the Super, Super Mario, Mario 64. 64. And has been essentially one of their lead designers um, for pretty much every first-party exclusive banner Nintendo game that's ever been released. More, more recently, his role in development has taken a little bit more of a back burner um but he was named um the he was acting president of nintendo back in 2015 um, when the president passed away um, and has since been named a creative fellow and understandably being directly responsible for some of the most recognizable names and games in all of gaming history just an absolute legend passion for art and video games we could probably do an entire episode on him. Just know that name, Miyamoto. Amazing. So the game, <laughs> Super Mario 64. It, it's a side-scrolling 2D platformer. Um, it is actually follows Mario Bros. Um, I, calling it a sequel is probably not the right way to say it, but Mario Bros. was a um, an arcade game which if any of you know from Super Smash Bros. or, or other Nintendo games, the, the levels where you can um, walk to the right and then come back on the left side of the screen, it's kind of the infinite loop and it has the POW in it. That is the original Mario Bros. Um, level. And you would use the POW to knock enemies on their back and then you would knock them over. So there wasn't an actual like jumping on top of them mechanic as there was in Super Mario Bros. So in, in Super Mario Bros, you're just going left to right through different worlds. It's a platformer, so there's jumping and judging distances and different types of enemies. Oftentimes, you're jumping on top of them. Sometimes you have to jump on them multiple times. You're dodging some projectiles. Um, there's parts of the map you'll jump on and the platforms will fall. There's like additional like jump trampolines, just just all, all of the typical platforming tropes. Um, yeah, speed boost. You're essentially just trying to get to the checkered flag at the end of each level as fast as humanly possible. I don't think it really matters how fast you go. You have, what, like 300 seconds or something like that to go through each level. Yeah. But, yeah, you're trying to go through it as fast as possible. There is the speed boost in uh, the early, all of the early Super Mario games is absolutely nuts. I mean, you, if you hold it down and keep going, you are at Mach 1 Mario, Italian <laughs> plumber meets Usain Bolt, like just sprinting through these levels. It is, it is stressfully fun to just try to hold that button down and make it through levels and dodge all. Cause I mean, your reaction time, at least for people who aren't used to it, right. It's, it's, it, it's pretty hard to, you know, keep up with the pace for sure. Yeah. And the, and the controls are incredibly tight um, and well-balanced and like the length of button press affects like how much you're jumping and, and how far. And so, yeah, trying to judge those things at full, full bore is just, it's fun. Yes. I mean, <laughs> yeah, honestly. And, and so to ultimately beat the game. So the, the, the story is you're trying to save princess toadstool from um, Bowser, uh, the, the big bad dragon guy at the end. Mario is cheating. And when I unfaithful when I heard Princess Toadstool and saw that I was like, who the f is Princess Toadstool? And so I did some additional research and found out that Princess Toadstool is Princess Peach, mm -hmm. and Princess Peach was always Princess Peach in Japan, um, but in English versions it was Princess Toadstool until 1993 um, in Yoshi Safari they. Switched it back the name to over. Princess Peach. But there was another game. It was some Wario game um, where it went back to Princess Toadstool. Um, and then in Super Mario 64, she was both. She was Princess Toadstool, but she signed as Peach. Um, and then it was either that or like Mario Kart or something after that. She like was from then on always Princess Peach. Princess yeah. Peach alone. Um, but that one kind of threw me for a loop. The, the Toadstool, the, the Peach was just kind of... I've definitely heard that. I I definitely forgot, but I definitely have heard that before. 
Yeah, so, so that, that was kind of nuts. But yeah, you're, you're trying to essentially save the princess. He was still cheating on Peach, though. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, trying, trying to save the, the princess, and you, you get to the end of each world, and there's a Bowser castle you're going through, which has some lava and some flame shooting up, and you'll you'll fight Bowser, but it's not until the very last world where you actually like fully defeat him and get to princess peach and there's warp zones and stuff that allow you to kind of little secrets that allow you to skip ahead um yeah there's there's worlds with plenty of stages inside of them so it's 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 relatively infrequent to run into bowser or i think that i think they do a couple other people too and the like cause each each one ends with like the castle right isn't it it's yeah. a castle level that's ending it and so I, I don't think it's always uh i think they have like other bosses sometimes at the end of castles I haven't played a whole lot of... It's been a long time, I guess, since I played the, the early Super Mario Bros. But And the problem I have is that I oftentimes use the warp zones to just go super far ahead. So I don't know what like 90% of Super Mario Bros. looks like. Because I'll get... Once you get to World 1-2, so it's the, the first world, the second stage, you're underground. Um, and that's where you can get the... <laughs> Yeah, you can jump up to the top of that and then run all the way and skip where, you know, if you don't know it, there's no way that you would, you, I mean, someone has to tell you, right? Or you have to watch something, but yeah, so you, you would get to the end and you would normally just take the green pipe out, but you can jump up to the top and then it gives you what, like three pipes to choose from and they all mark what world they are. And there, there's almost always, I think in the second level warp zones, so you can kind of just keep warping and you can progress to like world, you can get to world eight pretty easily. Especially yeah. considering skipping and going across the top of the map, you're avoiding essentially all the obstacles. So it's easier than the yeah. going through it normally. <laughs> um, but yeah, Super Mario Bros. is legendary. For sure, one of the best-selling games of all time. I think a lot of people would put it up there as at least one of the most influential, if not one of the best games of all time. Um, created by one of the most prolific developers of our time, our lifetime, with a soundtrack by one of the best soundtrack creators of all time, developed by one of the most prolific gaming companies, Nintendo, yeah. of all time. Like, just Super Mario Bros. is, uh, like, the pinnacle. It is gaming. gaming. Yeah. I mean, truly, it's, yeah. That's that, that's how I feel about Super Mario Bros. So now, I have to make the tough decision of choosing Overcooked. Super Mario Bros. And so so here's the, the problem I have. Is like more more recently, like it, it, it will be very first I have an NES still, so I have Super Mario Bros. But hooking it up, I, I, I don't have it currently hooked up to a TV. Um so it's not it's not a game I'm gonna pull out and play very frequently. Um and overcooked is it's it's a fun one. You have some friends over. You want to just kind of do some mindless fun co-op action. Have some fun with no no real competitiveness. It's kind of since it's co-op. Um, it I, I will be playing overcooked much more frequently than I will be playing Super Mario Bros. And I think overcooked does a lot. Um, but it's a, it's a newer game, developed by two people. But again, two people developed Super Mario Bros. This is kind of an appropriate. Um, kind of picture of gaming in 1985 versus gaming in um, 2016 um, when it was released. So it's, I don't know, it, it's a tough one for me because sometimes I want to say overcooked because it's it's an experience with other people and sometimes gaming can be best when shared with others and sharing the experience with others. Um, and I mean, technically Super Mario Bros. is two player. When you die, the tech player comes in, they can play as Luigi and you're trying to fight each other. Um, or, or beat each other, which the quicker you do it, the more points you get. You get coins and defeating people. So it, there's scores that you can do to compete, but it's it's not truly something you would do at the same time. But it is ah, just that thing. I You know what I might have to do? Is ruminate on it while we talk about your games and come back. I feel like that's a cop out, but that's okay. Whatever. Also, if you are interested in speedrunning at all, Super Mario Bros. definitely has some of the most insane speedrunning and also is incredibly well-documented speedrunning as well. Like, they definitely know the limits and bounds of essentially the game and human limitations, and they are 
they're essentially maxing out. There's enough people speedrunning that have been speedrunning long enough and using tool-assisted speedruns and stuff like that. Um, so it... I haven't spent too much time because I would never spend time watching other people speedrun a game. But it is a good one. Uh, it, I, I choose Super Mario Bros. You're damn right you do. <laughs> yeah, it's... I think part of my big hesitation too is like Overcooked is like such such an impressive and fun multiplayer co-op experience which there just aren't enough of so so having a developer dedicate time to that and execute so well especially with only two people um it's just both of these games were developed by people who have a passion for gaming um and the the experience of fun and it's just it's tough to eliminate either one of them for me but super mario bros it's fucking legendary yeah i don't know how else to say it (laughs) yeah there's it's the whole mario universe is absolutely insane it, it, it it's pretty much the clear winner i just i i feel bad given overcooked the big l but uh well here's us saying that overcooked is definitely a phenomenal game yes which we both will agree but for me at least as the super mario fanboy extraordinaire apparently i haven't even played all well i played a good chunk of them but uh just can't say no to mario shockingly i don't know what game i put number one on my top 50 list if you ask me right now <laughs> randomly but Yep. Okay, so so we both chose Super Mario for Maxwell's. <laughs> <laughs> so my two games, uh, I'll be talking about Doom 3 for the Xbox, OG Xbox, and Alan Wake, which was also on, I believe, the Xbox 360, but I ended up playing it on the PC. Um, talk about Doom 3 first. Uh, Developed by ID Software, which I believe also still is doing all of the modern ones, right? Yeah, yeah, id Software. Yeah. Um, yeah, sorry. Sorry for mispronouncing you. Id. <laughs> I mean, that's I, that's at least what I hear everyone call them. I don't, it might be ID, but. I, don't, I mean, I don't, I don't watch many videos pertaining to a lot of uh, Doom development or id in yeah. general. I've just played the games. That's, that's it. But it is a. First-person shooter, survival horror, it is, and if you've played the Doom games before, they are definitely, uh, they're run-and-gun games, right? Where you are, you are running, and you are gunning, <laughs> and you are killing, killing some, uh, demons, killing some zombies normally as well, and there. So this game was the first Doom series release after the original Doom, many years before, and this one they definitely really wanted to focus on the story a lot more and kind of pull away from the run and gun element of doom which is part of the reason i chose it because i wanted to talk about it because i I don't hear many people talk about it and i think it's it's worth talking about so i'm talking about it right now (laughs) so the the nitty-gritty of the story is there's uac which is this big corporation that essentially has unlimited funds and is doing research on Mars, which means they're essentially free from all legal and moral bounds on what their research is. This is like every single Doom story ever. <laughs> and so, you know, they're doing all this research and they're researching, you know, teleportation and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden there's like this gate that from hell that's opened up and demons are coming into the Mars base. Everything's going insane. People are dying. People are getting killed by the demons. So you are Doom guy. Or the Doom Slayer, whatever you prefer to call him. Doom Guy. I like Doom Guy, though. Yeah, Doom Slayer isn't until the reboot. Well, on the Wikipedia page, it said that he was called both. Actually. Yeah, I thought so. Oh. I don't know. Someone double check, or yeah. we'll double check after know, this. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, so you're a Doom Guy, just a, a random Marine, right, on Mars. Not really described on why you're there particularly, but you're there I'm just essentially under your uh, commander's orders, commander being Kelly. So portal's opening up and Kelly's essentially like, oh, you need to go send this warning signal to Earth to be like, oh, the portal to hell has opened up, you know, send reinforcements. And so you as the doom guy essentially are like for the beginning part of the story trying to work towards this communicator and then have to decide when you're there whether or not you're going to send the transmission signal. Because by this point in the game, you're starting to realize that if you send the transmission signal, like the demons could use all the ships that are coming to then go back to Earth. So it's like, do you ask for reinforcements to try to, you know, 
use the assistance to contain it, but you increase the risk of Earth, you know, getting attacked, or do you try to contain it yourself here on Mars? So either way, no matter what you do, the lead scientist, Betruger, I'm probably saying that wrong, uh, will send the signal either way. So no matter what you choose, you don't have to worry. If you're playing the game, don't worry about <laughs> the existential and moral ethics behind that question, because you're good. It'll happen no matter what. Also, major spoilers for both of these games. I am not I am not cutting back because both of them are super story driven games and I think that their stories are I think they're the stories are pretty interesting. So yeah, it ends up uh sending the transmission signal. So you are like now trying to hunt down the scientist and you learn that there's this they've been doing this like xeno archaeological dig of this Mars civilization because people live on Mars, as we all know. It's the year twenty one forty five. People are living on Mars by now. <laughs> If we move there, we would be the ancient people that they're digging up. <laughs> uh, so in, in this you know, archaeological dig, they find what's called the Soul Cube. And the Soul Cube is you essentially able to use this old relic in order to um, seal the gates from hell and save Mars from this demon invasion. I, I do want to pause you real quick, uh, and I apologize. But if we move there, the Soul Cube is obviously a GameCube. Yes. Okay. So we have the Soul Cube actually in my apartment right now, and you just you find what looks like a gate to hell, and you throw the GameCube in, <laughs> and then the demons are so occupied with playing Super Mario Sunshine that they stop the invasion and close the gates. And the water from Sunshine puts out the fires in hell too. Yeah. It's a twofer. It's a twofer. Okay, I apologize. <laughs> no, no, that's appropriate. So, yeah, so you you learn about this Soul Cube relic, but then as you're you know trying to find the Soul Cube, you end up realizing that Betruger took the soul cube into hell. He's been working for hell this whole time, if I didn't allude to that enough or say that already. So he's been working with the demons, takes the soul cube into hell, I mean, presumably to try to keep you from it and to continue his little hell onslaught on Mars and try to take over the universe, I suppose, not the world, because he's already done one world, I suppose, <laughs> successfully. So end up, you know, getting tricked by Betruger and getting thrown into the portal to hell and you're stuck in hell. So... You are running through hell conveniently. You already have to get the soul cube, so it's not that big of a deal. Like, you kind of had to go there anyways if you're going to stop this. Get the soul cube, and I'm pretty sure using the soul cube, you reactivate a portal back to Mars. So now you are back on Mars. The main portal to hell has been busted, but Bertruger's like, ha ha, you dumb dub. Uh, actually, we're already able to open up a hell mouth, which is like the portal times a million on steroids plus. So, like, if this portal fully opens, then millions and millions of demons will be able to go on the Mars, and it'll be it'll be GG for 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 humanity. <laughs> so, you are now trying to take the Soul Cube, and you're like running to the Hellmouth, trying to close it, and then you realize that also your commander, who you've been taking orders from for half of the game, is also working with the demons. So you have to fight him, and then manage to kill him, and then you're running, and right before you. Close the Hellmouth, you run into the Cyber Demon, the classic Doom, uh, like, boss, or, like, a, just a classic Doom enemy, um, and end up killing him using the Soul Cube to close the Hellmouth. Retruger's nowhere to be found, leaving room for follow-ups for them in the future for games. And so, yeah, that's, like, that's about the nitty-gritty of the story. So the my favorite part of the game... I mean, the story is interesting for sure, and it always feels good saving humanity. No one's ever sad about saving humanity. But the good part, of, I think what they do really well in the game is it's definitely, it is very horror in comparison to other Doom games that I play. And they do, they spend a lot of time and energy trying to create an atmosphere that is scary. So like, you get onto Mars, and you, A, only can choose whether or not you're going to be holding a flashlight or a gun while you're playing the game. So there's some areas that are so dark that you won't be able to see. I mean, it's lights out. You won't be able to see anything. So you have to choose whether or not you're going to be able to see or have your gun out. But obviously, if you have your gun out, you can't see. So it's kind of like I, they, they wow. intentionally force you to be, you know, in, in a weakened and more frightening state. And you'll, like, get radio transmissions from other Marines. Like, you get there and... You know things are already starting to get weird. You start hearing reports from these scientists who essentially are terrified of all these experiments that are going on, and they're starting to like go crazy, um, going into like psychosis and stuff like that. There's all these like fatalities with machineries. I mean, almost presumably that like people are like killing themselves or like being led into this crazy delusional state where they're 
um, unintentionally killing themselves. And so, like, the more you progress through the story, the less people that you see and the less, like, NPCs and, you know, not demons and zombies that you see throughout the story. So you increasingly get more and more isolated as you go through the story, as well as you, like, in the beginning, as things are falling apart, you keep getting these radio transmissions of, like, other Marines and stuff, and you, like, hear them, you're trying to meet up with these Marines, and then you hear them, like, dying in the background as you're trying to do the radio transmission. So they just, they do a lot of stuff with the lighting as well as with, you know, start off, seems like you're on a normal Marine base, start realizing things are fishy, and then everything slowly hits the fan. And so it, it becomes a very isolated and, you know, you feel very isolated. Yeah, you feel very isolated in the game. So I think they did a really good job of making the game scary. I played this game when I was like 13. I don't know how it ended up at my place i'm assuming my brother just wanted to get it but i remember it was like two o'clock in the morning and i had been playing the game for a while and i was like scared shitless and then ended up in hell and it was like there's no way i'm gonna be able to sleep tonight unless i finish this game so i like just ran through the like last three hours or something of the story i went to bed incredibly late that night sorry mom um (laughs) but yeah so that's i think this was this is the number one game that I've played that has, like, made me scared. And obviously, I was very young at the time, but it made it... I mean, with how scared I was, it was it was a very, like, memorable game, and I really like it for it. I think they did a great job of making it a creepy game. And I've played sections of it, if not all the way through, I believe, again since. And, I mean, it held up. It was still... It's still a, a fearful environment. Like, when I played the new Doom or the old Doom, there's parts of it that are creepy, but it's not, like, I'm gonna poop my pants type of scare, you know? But they do... They do a lot with, like, the ambience of it, you know, like, dead bodies are obviously everywhere, and there's, like, you know, arms just randomly scattered and blood splattered everywhere and stuff, so lots of lots of very classic Doom themes, but it's definitely presented in a much different light than other Doom titles. So, Death Doom, 88 out of 100 on Metacritic. Um, critics generally said good things about it. I guess not good enough to get 100, but I couldn't find a whole lot of complaints other than the AI seemed to be a little bit under complaint on might be a little too easy and too predictable patterns for the AI, making the gameplay a little, little, little easy. And some people like that it was a run and gun still. Like the action was still definitely very Doom-esque, I think, in a lot of the fighting sequences. And some, so some people really liked that and some people didn't think it fit. I think especially since they were kind of changing the pace of the game by putting in a stronger emphasis on the story, especially from the original Doom, which if you played the original Doom at all, there's, I mean, there is a story, it's just you don't care because you're just a badass with a gun. So that's Doom 3, unless you have anything you want to add. I do. So what I was what I was looking up partway through that was trying to confirm the whole Doom guy, Doom Slayer thing. So Doom 3 is the black sheep of the family for um, sure and in in both its gameplay style which i i think is awesome i 100 percent agree with you like the horror like doom 3 is much more of a horror game than any of the other doom titles which is just super cool the aesthetic in it is it was a terrifying. really good way to change the game in a way that honestly the other doom games are already terrifying but they're just presented in a way that makes it not terrifying like if you were if you play Doom, what, 2018, right? I keep mixing it. 2016. Yeah. Doom 2016. And you actually think about what is happening. That is a terrifying sequence of events. But not once when I am playing Doom 2016 am I like, man, this is scary. Because you're, you're the motherfucking Doom guy. You can kill anything that threatens you. So, continue. Uh, <laughs> so, the, the the other thing is, it, if it is canon or not. And there is a there is a lot of debate that goes around, and you, you can look sometimes at what like Id has said specifically, um, and what people have tried to connect together. Um, so a little bit of spoiler for Doom Eternal, which I know it's a Doom game, so like spoiler story, big whoop. But it Doom Eternal connects Doom one to sixty four, Doom twenty sixteen, and Doom Eternal as a thread of events, um, leaving Doom three out of the equation entirely. Um, now there's already talk of like multiple universes and things happening multiple times and that maybe somehow doom three could be retconned to kind of fit in, um, 
a certain way that way or it could be that it's in the same universe but you're not actually playing as the original doom guy and you're playing um, as a different uac marine um so that that's kind of the thing but but it starts as doom guy and doom eternal explains how after the events of doom 64 and i think when they released eternal there was additional content in 64 that helped explain as well but doom guy undergoes a process to be imbued with special powers which turns him into the doom slayer mm. which is who you play as in 2016 and then 2018 um so that's that's some of the history behind it. So whether or not you're actually playing as Doom Guy, Doom Slayer, both are theoretically possible depending on how you look at it. Yeah, um, in Doom Three. So I, I think neither. that's fair. Or or neither. Yeah, exactly. And that's kind of the thing. Like it, it, as you've said, and I think it makes sense. Like Doom isn't inherently about the story, but Doom Three does a great job with like Doom Three story. Every time I read it and hear about it, is just so like. I remember my dad had Doom 3 and he played through it and I would watch him play. And it was just like, man, it was so terrifying just from like a backseat gamer's perspective yeah. to see those things. And like you're actually seeing the humans turn into the zombies where I th- feel like a lot of the other Dooms, you're already fight- fighting the Hellified Marines and stuff. Like you don't see that transformation in the dark, gloomy environment. So yeah, that's Doom 3, I think. A lot of people, there's when they go through like the top list of games, like some people think Doom Three doesn't even belong on the list because it's not a true game, and then other people put it as one of the top, if not the top, um, because of what it did differently and, and brought to the universe. So it's it's a I it's think a it's a good it's, game. Yeah, I, it's I, I'm playing. with you. I think it's it's good and well deserving of being in the Doom universe. Yeah, and that's why I mean that's why I wanted to include it on the list because I definitely it. Especially, I didn't realize how much of a black sheep it was until I like started reading about it after playing it. But yeah, no, it's definitely it's a little bit of a hot 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 topic issue, <laughs> a little, little emo boy issue. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's that's Doom Three in a nutshell. Pretty fun. You can get it for pretty cheap, especially for sure. You can get it for like five bucks on a on a Steam summer sale or whatever. You know, sales coming up next. Does summer sale happens? All right. Yeah, it is either currently happening or is no longer happening. Ooh. Guess I'm gonna have to not look at it because I already have more games than I can play right now. So that, that was the problem. Is I looked at it, and I had every game I wanted I already had, and I was like, "That is that good, or does that mean I had a problem?" And it's both because I'm not. Spending you any more money. Yeah. Leave comments. Yeah, Smash so that like button. Let me know how how bad is my gaming addiction. So yeah, Doom Three. So Alan Wake next. It is by or developed by Remedy Entertainment played it on the pc for that it was released in early 2012 action adventure game i would call it a psychological thriller i think that is appropriate way to call it i'm a little surprised they didn't say psychological thriller on the genre but maybe that's not an appropriate uh genre for a video game i don't know was your psychology thrilled my psychology was thrilled oh there you go and and the inks for sure so played this game because of uh my friend zach for some reason, I don't know why, but he was Engineer 100 on the, the hype train for this one. I don't... <laughs> if Maxwell's Engineer 101, then yeah, he was, he was 100. He was he was super pumped. I don't know what reviews he read for the game, but he was definitely... We were going through like this phase where we just wanted to watch... We were super into psychological thrillers and horrors for movies. And so I think that's when he saw that that was a game that you know we could both like kind of go through and experience together as well. I think he was, he was pretty pumped for that. So it was it was appropriate for the time. This was, I mean, it was it was around when it released. So this was eight years ago now. <laughs> yeah, wow. Which is a little insane, but I guess I don't think I've talked about a game so far that I've played originally played less than eight years ago. Actually, so <laughs> most of the games I've talked about so far are all relatively old. Other than I think we talked about you no, know, you talked. Bro Force was on yours. It was on mine. Yeah, so I, 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 that's all I can think of. Yeah. Uh, let us know in the comments below. <laughs> okay, I mean, eventually there. you're going to talk about Hollow Knight. So yeah, that's for sure. Hollow Knight's probably one of the last, if not the last. Hey, you've got League on the list, I'm assuming. I do, but like League, I you know, Hollow Knight was the most recent novel game that I for sure played front to back that I can recall right now. Because I started playing League like four years ago. Don't want to talk about League right now. <laughs> Don't even want to think about League. Uh, so, yeah, the story starts and you are taking a vacation with your wife, Alice. You are Alan Wake. 
the name now is explained in, in its entirety and why the game is called Alan Wake. You are a, a tremendously famous writer who's been having writer's block for the last two years. So you and your wife are just on a little vacation. You know, you have your, what would you call them? I already forgot what, uh, like whoever finds all the gigs and like it does all like the money stuff for Alan Wake. I, I'm having, I'm having writer's block. On this Wait, one. is this like in the game? Or this is, is it... in the game. Yeah. He has like a like a person who handles all the, like the money side for him like he's a writer and he has like someone like a, a manager agent yeah 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 manager agent okay very also very critical element in the story uh just like my memory just like alan's memory uh, <laughs> so you go and you guys have a nice cabin in the woods where you guys are gonna go stay so you go to this local diner to meet stucky who is the person running the cabin has the keys for you Try to find him, and he is nowhere to be found. And you end up running into this creepy, like, witchy-like looking lady, and she's in darkness. And she's like, oh, no, don't worry. Like, Stucky gave me the key. You're totally good. Here's the key. So, gives you a key to Cauldron Lake, and you guys end up going to Cauldron Lake. And as you go into the cabin, Alice reveals this typewriter to Alan Wake and she's like oh I actually came here in hopes that this would help you get past your writer's block and Alan is furious at this because he just wanted to have a vacation he didn't want to think about that at all you know so he's he's super upset storms out of this cabin and then he starts hearing Alice screaming back in the house and he's running back in this darkness is pulling Alice through the cabin and down into Cauldron Lake and she disappears into the water so he dives in after her and attempts to save her and ends up blacking out and wakes up as he has now crashed a car that is hanging off the edge of a cliff and he has no idea how he got there or anything. So, yeah, it's a, it's a spicy startup to, to the game. Yeah, um, the, the literal beginning of the game before you end up going through that sequence of events, they, you are in a nightmare where you have this um, essentially, I don't know, it, it's a man created of darkness. I don't know how better to describe it than that. But if you saw it, it's like a, like a, a shadow of a body, essentially. And the shadow of the body is chasing you. And this is teaching you the main action mechanic of the game, which is people will be imbued with this darkness, essentially, or like haunted or consumed by this darkness. And so when they do, they have the dark aura around them. So you have to take a flashlight and you have to shine the flashlight on them to get rid of the darkness, and then you can kill them through normal methods, like a, a gun or something like that. So that teaches you the main mechanic of the game, and darkness is definitely, like, the whole plot is based around darkness. Dark, 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 dark. <laughs> so, um, back to, wakes up from the car crash, and is sees a gas station nearby, tries to get to the gas station, ends up killing Stucky, who has been corrupted by the darkness, and he, you know, manages to get the police there. And he's like, you know, please, please, please. Like, my wife's been taken. I don't know what happened to her. But, you know, these people are attacking me. And we were staying at Cauldron Lake. And the, the cops like, oh, there's no such... Like, Cauldron Lake hasn't had a cabin there for years. So they all think that Alan Wake is absolutely crazy. So as you are going to the gas station, you start finding pages uh, from a book that are telling a random story. And it becomes pretty clear whether or not Alan realizes it very quickly or not. But the pages that you are collecting are pages that Alan has written. And they are pages that Alan has written about what you are experiencing right now. So everything that you are reading, you sometimes read stuff that's in the future that will like foreshadow what's going to happen. So like it's not even necessarily a surprise if you actually read the manuscript and what's happening. Or you can learn more about what happens before. So get a call from the kidnapper and the kidnapper or get a call from someone who's claiming that they're a kidnapper, I should explain. Uh, and they're like, oh, I have your wife. I want the manuscript to your book. And you give me the manuscript to the book that you've been collecting. And then, you know, you'll get your wife back. So Alan meets up with this guy and the old lady's already beat him there, the witchy old lady that gave the key. And he is now confessing that he never actually had uh, Alice at all. So uh, old lady r- unleashes her dark wrath upon upon the world uh, Alan Wake ends up going into, like, getting knocked into Crater Lake, wakes up, he's at a psychological facility, whatever you call it, the one that, with, like, the dude, when she said that she was trying to help with writer's block, she also, like, scheduled, like, a psychiatrist to talk to him as well, and so she's actually, he's he's at the psychiatrist, essentially, that um, she had scheduled for him to see, and 
the dude is like, oh, no, you're not crazy. This is totally normal. Um, but he clearly doesn't believe Alan at all, that any of this darkness is real. And Alan is like, I got to I got to get out. And as he's getting out, darkness takes over the entire <laughs> entire thing. So um, running away, no idea how to get Alice ends up learning that there is a dark energy, essentially, that has been living in Cauldron Lake. And the dark energy, which is like kind of characterized or personified by this character, Barbara Jagger, uh, takes fiction and turns it into reality. So she tried taking a previous writer and turning it into reality, but that writer was able to resist and so made Cauldron Lake happen. He wrote in that there was a volcanic eruption and that's what like got rid of the cabin that was there originally and the island that was there. So learning this um, manages to find a way to kill Barbara Jagger. <laughs> Barbara Jagger. Uh, Barbara Jagger, and so gets this clicker that magical properties, not really important on how it works, uh, is able to kill Barbara Jagger, I'm assuming because you're turning on the lights, right? So you're getting rid of the darkness. So goes back to Cauldron Lake, jumps in the Cauldron Lake, ends up in the dark place with Barbara Jagger, and he uses the clicker to kill Barbara Jagger and manages to free Alice. But then he realizes that like a book has to have some, has to have a level of equilibrium, like Things that don't make sense just can't happen to like too excessive a degree. So he ends up trapping himself there. And that is the end of the story where he frees his wife and then he is left there in the dark place forever. So I thought I thought a pretty good story overall. Damn. Yeah, it was, it was definitely a spicy meatball. I know that was a that was an absolute word vomit of a rendition of a story. I played it like I played it like a year ago, I'm pretty sure. I, I think I went through it pretty recently, so this one was actually decently fresh on the memory. But yeah, the mechanics of the game were really cool. The story was obviously very intense. A lot of details I know I missed in there, but that's the general high level of it. So yeah, it was. It just stands out as a game that... The only other game that I can think of that is like as story-driven as that is Uncharted, which is definitely mm -hmm. just like... It is a very different tempo. Like the Nathan Drake is just feels like it kind of has more run-of-the-mill action with a good story on top of it, where this one definitely feels, I mean, I think even more story-driven than Uncharted. The action, honestly, in the game, is it's it's a little repetitive. It gets a little boring, and sometimes you're like, I just want to move to the next part of the story, which was, for me, a very common complaint with especially Uncharted 2 and 3, as we've talked, I feel like. You, you, you figure out the Uncharted formula pretty quickly, and it doesn't really change a whole lot until Uncharted 4, so... Yeah, the, the action was a little repetitive, but I think the story and the darkness, like, it's all it's all very surprising as you're going through it and very interesting. So, I mean, now that you know the story, maybe not as interesting to play, so maybe I should apologize for spoiling the entire game. But definitely, definitely a, a story worth mentioning. And I thought, exciting enough of a game. The story, I think, is super unique. I can't think of a game that would even come close to that. I mean... Yeah, what, what I... So, I guess I have not played the game, nor have I read anything about the story and knowing what you've told me now makes me want to play the game yeah. much more than I had before. So I, I could see it having both ways. I mean, it, I'll, I'll put spoiler alerts at, at the beginning yeah. um, for, for the stories, but I, I think it, including super Mario bros, most important. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, they both, I think are just two from what I've seen are just two very unique games that do very, a very good job at doing something that I don't see a lot of other games to do. The only other game that I know I've heard other people be like, man, that game is like freaking scary for like a Doom comparison would be uh, Fear 2 Project Origin, I think is the name. Mm -hmm. okay. And so I've been meaning to go through that because so, I, I, I mean, horror games are really fun to play. It's a genre that is not like used essentially very frequently. Yeah, uh, I, I have Dead Space as well which I've also heard phenomenal things about. I mean, I'll have to check it out after The Last of Us Part Two and God of War. That's true. I can't uh, give you um, Dead Space. It's digital. No, I'll take I'll take your computer. <laughs> so, yeah, there's... I I mean, I guess Maxwell has shown me a lot of horror games, but I, I don't know. They're... They're not like, quote-unquote, triple-A horror games. Definitely not triple-A. I'll last, I guess, but that's almost like a thriller suspense more about like the running away like you're powerless than like the i mean the environment helps but i, I know what you mean i, 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 I don't think, quite agree that it's the same yeah i think it's 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 especially the fact that you like 
you have guns and stuff. Like, I don't know. It's, it's kind of, it's almost impressive that like Doom 3 can make you feel so nervous, even though you have full control on whether or not you're going to live. Where Outlast, yeah, you're right. Like, if you haven't played Outlast at least one or two, you're stuck in this, like a psychiatric hospital and then you're like getting chased by crazy people and trying to escape. I don't really, I mean, the question I always have with Outlast is, like, it seems from the beginning that you're trying to escape, but it's like, why don't you just leave? Well, so you, uh, you, you go into this place, you're like a a journalist, right? Yeah. Journalist thing. But then, um, you, you get thrown over a balcony by one of the crazy people and fall down to below to a place that you can't get out of. So yeah, that's, that's you trying to escape. I mean, yeah, I know the front doors are locked, but it's like, like break a window or something. I don't know if you could get to the windows. That's part of the problem. I don't remember either. I don't remember the map was drawn like. I mean, if it's a psychiatric ward, like it's probably meant to keep people in. Yeah. It seemed like when I was playing, I always had that question. I mean, I'm with you. I also, why are you going in there? Yeah. (laughs) So the game can happen. But that was also a fun game to play. I would like to actually go through it all the way. But yeah, so Doom Doom 3 definitely has its own, I think, little little flair to it. And Alan Wake does as well. Especially especially Alan Wake, I think, is just, it's a story to, to remember. I, for this, definitely be picking doom 3 i liked alan wake a lot but non-surprisingly doom 3 oh you're surprised i am surprised i'm not surprised doom 3 that especially like the amount yeah that game playing that game especially when i was so young and it's like it scared me so bad and that was just like holy cow a game could actually be scary i mean that was just it was such an unexpected left field i didn't even i don't even think i realized it was supposed to be a horror game and then as I was like starting to realize, I'm like, this is, this is a freaking horror. Like, I'm terrified. This is, this is incredibly disturbing. And like, so I had no idea going in, you know, that's yeah. like walking into a movie and thinking that I'm going to be like watching the notebook or something like that. And it ended up being like paranormal activity or probably shouldn't pick that. I think that's a pretty crapped on movie, but you know what I'm saying? Like the original paranormal activity, I think was very good. Okay. Yeah. I haven't seen, I haven't seen any of the paranormal activities I think there's three, right? Something uh, like that. Definitely more than three, but it's it's one of those where they start doing like the straight to DVD releases and stuff after a while. Yeah, but but yeah. So I, yeah, I'm I'm going with Doom three, and I also I think I think a Doom title should move up on the list as well. I think Doom is a very classic series. So, but yeah, Doom three. That that also gets me excited for you to play The Last of Us Part Two. Yeah, because it is, in addition to the story, a horror game. Yeah, which is, yeah, I, I tend to, I mean, I like zombie games. I like good zombie games. Let me put it that way. There are some particular environments in the game that I was shitting some bricks. Yeah. And to, to compliment Naughty Dog and just how fucking phenomenal this game looks, it, they, it is so viscerally, it, it was it was terrifying to me a couple, a couple of places. I'm very excited yeah. for you to play. I'm very excited too. Doom three. I'm a little surprised that you're a little surprised. Uh, now that you've said it, I'm less surprised. Yeah. But I'm still surprised because Alan Wake was wily as fuck from the story description. The story and, was wily. And, and Doom I, three is like, I mean, while a great horror game, like it seems like Alan Wake was so like groundbreaking. Which for me, like Oliver likes games that are like they they do something completely different like something you haven't seen before which seemed more like an alan wake than a doom 3 to me but for, for my, the doom for series ex- it did do something very different and it was also it sounds like for a my experience thing. yeah from my experience that was pretty groundbreaking where alan wake was definitely it was good but i have i think the combat is also enough of a complaint with alan wake like i like the story a lot and there was mm-hmm. lots of really cool like things that they incorporated in it like they, when you were going through, you would find random TVs and they would show like, I guess, clips of you in other times and stuff, but they like framed it as if it was a, they, they, they stylized it a lot. Like what's a, oh, it's like Black Mirror is like, it, it, like emulating what, what's that old TV show where. Oh, Twilight Zone. Yeah. 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 They were definitely like uh, framing it a lot like Twilight Zone, which I also, I really, what I've seen of Twilight Zone phenomenal show yeah i really love twilight zone like i dystopian like reality but bent slightly yeah i was not expecting when i first watched twilight zone for i was just like oh it's some old show like i know it's like well spoken of but i thought it was just gonna be i don't know like 
like an older version of Friends or something dumb, you know, like something. <laughs> no one knows. <laughs> but, so, but something dumb like that. And sorry for clapping. I was uh, recording. I mean, you're editing it, so sorry to myself. <laughs> but yeah, no, I, I was I was shook it with a with a T zone. So yeah, lots of lots of good things. I certainly don't want to undersell Alan Wake, but I I think Doom was. Yeah, Doom was insane for me. That was that was a good game, and I've I've played through it multiple times now. I don't think I would play through Alan Wake again. Which maybe is not a mark that I should vote it lower, but I don't know. It's definitely a mark that Doom Three holds up when I can play through it multiple times and still have a good time going through, even years apart. So it's not just like I mean, I'm sure nostalgia carries a small, small amount of impact with it. But. So yeah, episode eight. Thank you so much for tuning into today's podcast. As always, you can check us out on social media at Mo Video Games. That's at M O Video Games. Please give us a like, a follow, comment, let us know what you like, what you didn't like, and if you have any ideas for what we should discuss in the future. We hope to see you next time. Juicy.